Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Confessions of a 30-something Drama Queen, your weekly podcast with me, your host, Susie Benaldi, where we chat all about why adult life is not all the bells and whistles we've been promised. Like, where is my I don't give a fuck era? Why does my face sometimes look like it's melting? And what on earth is stamp duty? Because really, what is it? Where does it go? What does it do? What is it for? I still don't know. It's a mystery to me. And today... On that subject, we are going to be discussing why buying a house was not all it was cracked up to be. And whilst getting on the property ladder obviously still remains one of the most financially smart moves that you can make, apparently. I'm not an expert. I'll get onto that in a second. It is not without its setbacks and it's a real commitment. And honestly, it really shocks me that it's drilled into us that it is the goal And obviously, I know it's great to not bleed money on rent, but at the same time, I feel like some of us, and by some of us, I mean me, do not understand what we're walking into. And, you know, yeah, by some of us, I fully just mean me. But this is what I like to do on this podcast. I just say what I think and pray to the online gods that I am not alone. And a fun fact, uh, here she is again. She's back. Uh, This is potentially going to be a two-parter because I actually recorded this in full last night and it was just so intense. And I knew it wasn't going to see the light of day when I was about halfway through. Like I carried on going. At one point I thought I just was going to cry. It was not good. So here I am in the studio again today and I hope this works out better. So we're going to be discussing becoming a homeowner today and then next week I am going to dish the dirt on home renos and my money mindset about like home renos and being a homeowner uh, because it's a whole different type of stress when you get into that. And yeah, I just felt like it needed it needed to be separated. So 
yeah, the home the home reno stuff, I've got a lot to say on it. Like I looked at a quote for my loft conversion this morning and I felt physically unwell, you guys. So yeah, it's just a lot. So we are going to put that in a whole other episode and just kind of break this up a little bit. But anyway, that is up next week. But without further ado, here is the 30-something Bible homeowning edition. And we obviously need to do a little disclaimer before we open this old can of worms. I am not a financial advisor, so please don't do or act on anything I say without running it by a professional first. And one other thing, one other disclaimer, because this is the YouTuber and me over disclaiming things, but I am so aware that I am very privileged in, I mean, life, but also in terms of the industry I work in that I have been able to buy a house alone, like well aware. Trust me, you guys, no one is more aware of this than I am. Trust me. Um, And no one is more awkward about it than me. So just know that I'm squirming the entire time I mention the fact that I have bought my own house because whilst it's a very uh, empowering um, and should be a very celebrated thing for a woman, I also feel very awkward about it, I guess because I just feel awkward about my job maybe. I don't know why it is, but I get very awkward about my finances, my privilege, my ability to own a home alone. So yeah, no one is more awkward and more aware of how lucky and privileged I am than I am. Trust me. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to split this into little mini chapters today. And chapter one is buying a house is not end game. And this is something that I feel in the depths of my soul. Like it is a real commitment. And for me, it was the searching for a house that was the fun bit and the occasional bit where I get to like plan a home reno. Those are the fun bits. But a lot of the time it is a real commitment and very stressful and we encourage buying a house like that is that is the end goal and it's weird because it's not an end goal it's like just the very start of a lifelong journey for most people and whilst it's great to get that mortgage and obviously we really really celebrate that I don't know if We do that everywhere, but I feel like it's a real Brit thing. Like you get the house, you get the mortgage and then you get the house and you're so, obviously it's so exciting. Yes, of course it is. But it's also like, that's not the end goal. Like, you know, people talk about like your life milestones and it's like, you know, get a partner, get married, have babies, get a house, that kind of vibe. But that's not like you're happily ever after. You have to maintain this home and this mortgage over years. And I'm not just talking about like the payments, but you also have to maintain the property. And honestly, having anything done to your house is so expensive. And a lot of the stuff that you need to do that is really expensive, you actually don't ever see. And it's so boring and so expensive. Like I don't want to talk about renos too much, but the garage reno, like there's so much that goes into it that you cannot see and so much of the expense like it costs so much and you would never know like we had to have the roof taken off and put back on and it's ridiculous and it was definitely like a huge part of the financial cost of it and that was so boring and yeah there's so many things like that when you buy a house like not even doing a renovation like you might move in and then suddenly like you know it's been left empty for a little while and you turn the heating on and the boiler breaks and boilers they are so expensive Anyway, I'm not going to spiral too much in this episode. I've promised myself that. So I'm going to move on. Um, 
It is also one of the biggest tests on a relationship if you go into it with someone else. And I think it's nice to be fully ready for these tests when the time comes. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone here. And I'm also not saying you need to say fuck it and be irresponsible with your finances either. Like, I think it's important to make good choices in your like early 20s and your 20s. But there is no rush. Don't push yourself to have this responsibility too young. Like if I had bought a house, if I had bought my house when I was like in my early 20s, I wouldn't have cared about any of the boring maintenance at that stage in my life. I think I would have neglected it a lot. I think I would have put things off till the last dying second and my house would have really suffered for it. And that's so sad because we put so much effort into buying these houses and it would be sad to have neglected it. But I was really lazy in my early 20s and the boring tasks, they were just not a priority for me. So yeah, don't try to rush into things too fast. I feel like I talked about this a little bit in episodes three and four, but there seems to be a real culture of rushing to try and do a lot of adult things in our 20s. Like everyone's bucket list is so full of serious and full of really adult boring things. I even had a friend who's still very much in her mid-twenties listen to the pod and she made her own bucket list, which is a fun bucket list if you haven't listened to those episodes. And she messaged me and I was like, oh, what is on your bucket list? And it still had such serious things on it. And I was like, honey, this needs some tweaking. I'm just kidding. If that's her fun, who am I to tell her what to do with it? But my point is we really are so quick to do the real boring adult stuff. But these are, like I said, I feel like a broken record. These are real lifelong commitments. And I don't know, maybe there is something about being in your like early 20s and you think these things are going to be so fun. And then you get there and you're like, wait, this is not meeting my expectations. Like the expectations and the reality, they are not matching up. Like, why did no one warn me? So whilst I was gunning to get on the property ladder for the most part of my 20s, I'm really glad that I didn't and I had the chance to enjoy life a little bit more before jumping into owning a home, even if it wasn't something I did on purpose. Like I was genuinely at the time so annoyed about the fact that I just wasn't able to get on the property ladder. I am so glad that it worked out that way. And looking back, obviously hindsight is a beautiful thing. But when I look back, I'm so glad that I didn't have that responsibility that young. And as much as like potentially buying a house at 25 would have been so financially great for me, like if I think about how much I would have benefited over the last five years if I'd have owned a home for five years already, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. And I also think I would have wasted a lot of money too, because I just, I know what I was like and I have a feeling I definitely would have made more rash decisions uh, because I was very good at that. I'm still good at that now, to be fair, but... I definitely think I have learned a lot over the past few years and I'm much more considered and calculated with my decisions, especially when it comes to owning a home and touching wood. Honestly, what would I do if the studio desk wasn't wood? I would be absolutely screwed. Anyway, touching wood, I've never had a real disaster in terms of work on the house or decorating or furnishing. And I do think it's because I am much more calculated and considered with my decision making. And I definitely wouldn't have been that way. In my early 20s, I think I would have also looked at what everyone else online was doing and definitely followed what everyone else was doing a lot more. Like I'm still inspired by other people now, but 
I definitely feel like I have my own style now and I know myself a lot better. And my home is a real reflection of that. And I don't think it would have been in my early 20s. But back to my point, enjoy your 20s and by all means, make good financial decisions and stash that cash away. You know, get it all locked up into savings for when you're ready but enjoy your early 20s. And also, if you're on the fence, if you're not sure, like I get a lot of DMs from people like, oh, I can't decide whether to get on the property ladder or to go traveling. Like if you are on the fence, like no one can make that decision for you. I can't tell you what to do, but do not push yourself to do something that you're not 100% sure on because it can end up feeling very overwhelming. And you also might end up feeling a little bit resentful of the choice that you made. So don't rush, do not rush. Like even as someone who would have ended up financially better off if she had bought when she was very first able to, I have no regrets. I'm glad I did things when I was ready. Chapter two, why is there not a GCSE for mortgages? Like where is my A-level in homeowning? Like why do they not teach you this at school? I mean, maybe they do. Maybe the kids that took like economics. Is that is that what, where you learn about finance? <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know. I might have just made myself sound really stupid, but maybe there was a subject that actually did give you some insight. But I took health and social studies and psychology at A-level, so I definitely was not on those courses. And I know I'm not alone when I say this because pretty much everyone I speak to had no idea what they were doing at the start of this process. Like, I genuinely, genuinely didn't really understand mortgages when I bought my house And actually, when I think about it, it's quite mad that I, a walking adult child, was able to enter into a huge financial contract like this without really knowing what I was doing. Like, that is insane. Why was that allowed? I remember my mortgage advisor talking about interest rates and just thinking, oh, well, I don't really understand this, but it doesn't matter because I don't have to worry about that for at least a couple of years at least a couple of years, like time flies, honey, and that time rolls around very, very quickly. And I really had no practical understanding. And when it came down to it, I learned firsthand how interest rates would affect me later on. And I'll get to that in a hot second, because oh boy, was that a treat. But I got real like practical firsthand experience on interest rates and how they work. And uh, yeah, I wish I'd learned more about them early on. I wish I'd taken the time to be like, I don't know what this is. I don't really know what this means, but I'm going to do some Googles and do some studying because I don't know. And maybe it's good to know because, yeah, it would have been good to know, especially going into the past couple of years that we've had. And you know what's also mad? I am also the go to for advice for everyone that I know who is self-employed and trying to buy a house, which, yeah, I know that is shocking and incredibly worrying that this walking adult child, as we have already established, is the go to for home buying advice amongst friends. Like we've just established that I was literally clueless up until a year ago as to what on earth an interest rate really meant. But this is the point. That's how little understanding we as a generation have of the home buying and home owning process. Like, There needs to be some kind of like, you know, you take PHSE at school, like personal health and something studies. Oh, I can't even remember what it's called. Like there are so many random things that we learn about, but we do not learn about this. 
And I say we, I went to a public school and it wasn't a very good public school. So I don't know if kids that go to like fancier schools actually have a better understanding of like what an interest rate is. Because I remember someone literally talking about their child coming home from a private school and being like, we're learning about investing and they're like six years old. But we were really not taught about this in my public school and in a lot of the local public schools, clearly, because it's all like me and my home friends that we're like, we have no idea what we're doing. Like, how on earth are we allowed to enter into this contract when we just don't understand? But actually, it's not just me and my home friends. Like, also, when I say home friends, by the way, um, that's how I differentiate between like my like lifelong friends and people that live locally and that have grown up with a very similar like experience to me. And my friends that I have maybe like met through work and we all come from very, very different backgrounds. Um, so when I say home friends, just know I mean like my local long term kind of those kind of friends. But anyway, it's not just my home friends because I also regularly get DMs from people all around the country who are self-employed and they're asking me for advice. Yeah, again, asking me, this walking woman child for advice. And my only advice is always going to be to get a good mortgage advisor. Like, I am not your girl because legally I am not qualified. And as we have already just established, I don't have enough of an understanding to give out this advice. But I'm also very aware that when you're self-employed, there is also minimal education and it's very different to if you are like in a regular kind of office job and you know the company pays you monthly and it's a very routine regular salary um that's what we call paye in the uk but i don't know if that's what it's called everywhere but i am aware that if you are self-employed it is such a minefield and there's so many more hoops you have to jump through before you can get your mortgage and own a home like the banks just do not trust you in the same way which is mad because if you work for a big like say corporate company and they pay you a salary every single month they can still make you redundant with very minimal notice really and actually some self-employed people have longer running contracts so all a bit mad but Banks are big businesses and they just want to know that you're going to be able to repay the money, you know. But it's obviously very, very annoying. And if you're not familiar, um, one of the reasons that it's annoying is that you actually have to start thinking about your tax returns and your finances like two to three years before you actually want to buy. Because the banks won't just look at like your past three months of bank statements and just give you some money. They want to know that for the like last two, three years, you've been earning like a good amount. And if those amounts wildly differ, they'll take an average. So that can also really screw you over as well. There's so much that goes into it. Like I am literally just scratching the surface. But one of the things I really would say that helped me massively is having a good accountant. Because in my case, my mortgage advisor and my accountant worked very closely together. Like there was a lot of communication between the two of them, which then allowed, I guess, my mortgage advisor to say something to the banks that just made them more comfortable giving me some money. I don't know. I didn't really ask too many questions, to be honest. Like we've already established I didn't really know what I was doing. But the same with my mortgage renewals as well. They worked very, very closely together. But also I'll touch on a mistake that was not a mistake of my own, but I know one that a lot of people make is to try and pay as little tax as physically possible each year when the tax returns come round. That might sound slightly controversial, but if you're self-employed, it's like quite a common thing to like talk about. Um, 
I don't do it. I like to make my finances look as healthy as possible for the banks. Um, but lots of people do do it. And then they go to buy a house and they submit their earnings to the bank. And they're like, well, you've made it look like you earn no money. So we're not going to give you anything. You make like zero profit. Zero is like obviously a real over-exaggeration, but bear with me here because this is the podcast that's all about over-exaggerating and being very over-dramatic. So yeah, that's why it's really important to get all the financial advice you can and to really think ahead if you're self-employed because you can set yourself back quite a long time in the home buying process if your books aren't right. So definitely do your research, get financial advice. By the way, sorry, this is so boring if you're not self-employed, but it's also worth being really strategic on when you apply for your mortgage and picking a financial year where your tax returns really show you in a good light to get the amount that you would like. I actually didn't do this. I bought my house on a year when I'd just taken on like a new full-time member of my team and my figures didn't look the same as they had in the years before. And actually my first mortgage advisor literally laughed at me when I said how much I wanted to borrow because then she looked at the return and she was like, that's literally not going to happen. And she was like borderline a bit rude and a bit patronising, which maybe in hindsight was just because I didn't really know what I was doing and maybe she could tell. Um, But I actually felt like trash leaving her office. And yeah, I just wanted to cry. But here's another thing. You are entitled to a second opinion. So if you end up in that situation, you do not have to take the first financial advisor you choose. If someone tells me no and shuts the door, I will literally go and knock on another door. And you are allowed to do that in this situation. And I did actually get the amount I wanted because I went and got that second opinion. And I went and got a mortgage advisor who was slightly more familiar with my working situation. So it's not all doom and gloom. Don't take the first answer you're given as gospel do your research and get the most financial help that you can because there is no crash course on getting a mortgage. So unfortunately, we've got to do that studying ourselves, but knowledge is power. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Chapter three, buying a house solo. What an experience. So back in 2019, I decided to start the process of buying my own home. I was renting and I just got to the point where I knew it was time to not be doing that anymore. And I felt ready. We've already established this earlier in the pod. And some people thought it was really weird because Ryan already owned a home. And it was really interesting, actually, because the attitude from a lot of people was very much like, why spend money on your own home when you can just move into his? And this was very understandable. But unfortunately, it was just not ideal. Like because of our jobs, we both need separate workspaces. I need to have 
like music not playing and he obviously needs to make music and he can't just wear headphones all the time like audibly audibly is that even a word I don't know it's actually not uh the best to just make music on headphones like you don't really get a feel enough for the music you know I mean I don't know I don't do it but apparently that's the thing um so we needed very separate workspaces and I also have a lot of clothes and he did not have enough space to accommodate all of these needs. Um, his house was also a building site for a good two years, guys, like it actually is right now too. So yeah, it just wouldn't have been ideal. And most importantly, if I didn't buy, I'd just have the money I'd saved sitting and depreciating. And also on that point, some of the people that were like, why don't you just move into his house? They actually suggested that I just move in with him and just spend the money that I'd saved. And that is some rogue financial advice that you will never hear me dishing out. I mean, each to their own, but I was a little bit shocked. I'm a spendy girl, but even I was like, "Mm, I think I'd like to, you know, put it into property. Um, But also at this point, we'd only been together for six months. And if we broke up, I would have been screwed and still not on the property ladder. Like, no, it was not happening. It just didn't make the most sense to me. And I knew it wasn't the easiest choice. And it has proved time and time again over the last two years to not be the easiest choice. But I felt like it was just the best option for me and for both of us, too, if we stood the test of time. And I stand by that to this day. No, getting a mortgage alone was not easy. Like it was so hard. I had so few lenders who would actually give me any money. Like rude. And oh my God, all the forms. Has anyone noticed like if you've bought a home alone, they're just all set up for couples. It's the weirdest thing. And it just made me feel, I don't even know what the word is, like a little bit like sad that I was just filling it out on my own. And also just a little bit pissed off at the system. But you know me, that's just me. But yeah, it was weird. And financially, over the past couple of years with COVID, it has also been a test on our sanity to have separate places. But did I love picking my own home and styling it and decorating it without having to answer to anyone else? Oh my God, yes. And do I love if the worst ever happened for me and Ryan that I have a safety net? 100%. I think it also probably benefits our relationship because there's just never going to be a point where we feel trapped like there is no other option you know when some people sometimes say like I was worried that I wouldn't have anywhere to like live for example like we are so fortunate that we will just never have that and that I definitely see as a huge benefit you can tell I am someone that's been slightly traumatized by breakups in the past because I really like to have like a safety net but anyway like I said earlier I totally see the privilege here but I wanted to talk about this because I get a lot of dms from women who are in the position to be able to potentially buy a home alone and are wondering if they should and these are just my genuine thoughts on it it's an amazing empowering experience but it's not without its I'm about to lose my sanity kind of moments, but I wouldn't change it. Chapter four, dream home versus resale value. This is something that I wanted to touch on quickly because a lot of people are really surprised when I say, I did not love my house when I first viewed it. Like I viewed my home and like my current home and dream home in the same day within an hour of each other. And my home, if you don't know, it's a little bungalow and it was fully renovated much further out than I had ever originally wanted to buy. 
And I also viewed Dream Home, which was a little semi-detached little townhouse kind of thing. It was further into the city, not like central in the city, but much closer into the city than I currently live. And it was like parquet floors, panelled ceilings, original fireplace, downstairs utility room, downstairs toilet, um, like kitchen that was like newly done on the back of the house, big garden. The bedrooms were kind of small, but it was like gorgeous. It was like Instagram dreams. And then you have my house, which is a little bungalow. And, you know, it was further out. And I was just kind of like, I walked in, it was on a really rainy day as well. And the whole house was obviously painted grey. And I didn't love the way it had been decorated when I first moved in because grey was like the vibe, you know, it was everywhere. And I didn't love it. But I viewed both. And I I remember getting back to my mum's house, we'd debrief after each viewing and I'd go for a cup of tea. And I remember just, you know, looking at all of the boxes that this stupid bungalow ticked and it just had longevity, but not even just longevity. It had like these points, although they gave longevity to being able to live there, they also made for great resale value. So as someone who had a partner who already owned a home, I didn't know what we were going to do in a few years time. And I thought, do you know what? If nothing else, this has got great resale value. And if we ever did end up living in my house long term, it also has amazing longevity and a lot of points that make it very desirable. So maybe this is the one and my parents are like sitting there like nodding because they already know which house is the better one, but they're not going to make the decision for me. But it was a real moment where it was like dream home, the Instagram home versus like practical home. And now that I'm a good few years in, I have absolutely no regrets over that choice. It was the best decision I ever made. And I feel like that's a really important thing to talk about, especially if you are at the point where you're not a homeowner yet and you're kind of like getting into that. If you were just buying this home for the plot of land, ignore any of the cosmetic elements of it. Is it a good purchase? Like that is what I decided to leave with because I'm not privileged enough to just, you know, be buying houses just because they have original parquet flooring. Like I really need to think about this and make sure it's a good investment because I don't come from a background that is like super privileged. You know, like I am privileged with my finances, but outside of my own finances, I'm not privileged and I need to make sure that I make really financially sensible decisions in my life. Um, And one other thing I would say is... I did make myself slightly more comfortable by moving further out. I don't live in like the countryside or anything, but I did move a lot further out than I ever planned. And I have no regrets because it allowed me to be a little bit more comfortable with my finances, but also to get a little bit more for my money as well. And just to be able to have that home that did give me a little bit more longevity. Like I couldn't have afforded my dream home in the area that I live now. Like I wasn't getting everything. And that's another thing. Sometimes you're not going to be able to have both, but actually making a decision that is financially sensible and maybe allows you to be a bit more comfortable, it might pay dividends in the long run. Chapter five, buying a house during a panoramic, during a panini, during the pandemic. And this is probably why I feel like buying a house wasn't all it's cracked up to be because I was very unlucky I would say in this sense like 
I viewed my house, I put my offer in, did a very poor little bit of negotiating. They were basically like, we would like this tiny amount more. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't like arguing with people about money. (laughs) It's your money. It was very poor negotiating. I mean, it wasn't negotiating. Anyway, my offer was accepted and then boom, lockdown. And it made the whole process, like the legal process, very slow because all of the like solicitors were working from home. And it was all kind of like not really moving, not really moving. And then suddenly it was like, you can move next week. But we were in lockdown. And I was like, no, you can't be serious. Also, in my line of work as a YouTuber who shows her whole life, I did not want to put a foot wrong. Like I genuinely... I was I was always well within the like lockdown rules in the UK because I was so scared of being just like dumped on by people for having done something wrong. And so I didn't want to move. I was like, no, this is this is not how I envisioned this. This is so stressful. I was I was having a breakdown like I I, my voice is wobbling talking about it. I think I still have like slight trauma. I didn't sleep knowing that this was happening because I was like, how am I meant to do this? My life is so public facing. Everyone's going to know if my living space has changed. I can't hide this. And then Josie and Charlie, who um, they live in, uh, it's Old House Our Home on Instagram. I've definitely checked them out. They're so sweet. Like Josie is the sweetest human. They did me a real solid and they moved before me. So thank you, Josie. Love you. It made me feel so much more comfortable about moving because I was so stressed. Literally no one was moving at the time and no moving companies were operating. I'm so lucky that my family, they were working. Part of my family run moving companies and one of them was working. And I am so thankful for that because I think I would have been living in my flat and then owning a house and just paying for both because how on earth was I meant to move? It was a lot. And then no tradesmen were working either because they weren't allowed. So I was very thankful at that point that I bought somewhere that was like, it needed no work doing apart from the garden, thank God, which I did at a later point, but it didn't really need anything doing. I was very fortunate as well that I did want the walls and floors done and I'd ideally dreamed of having them done before I moved in just for ease. And the week that I was due to move in, tradesmen were allowed to start working so I think the boys finished up the floor literally five minutes before I turned up with the moving van so it was stressful it was a lot and financially over the next couple of years I mean I'm going to talk about this I think in the next episode a little bit more but buying a house during Covid and during lockdown with Brexit and everything else going on and you know, the finances of the UK just being an absolute shit show. It's made being a homeowner um, very stressful for me to the point where it's not been great. It's not been a good two years. I finally feel like I'm coming out the other side. Deep breath, (laughs) deep breath. But it's been a lot. And, you know, no one could have predicted this. My parents could never have warned me about this. No one could have forecast it. And This is one of the reasons that I'm so glad I waited until I was ready to buy a home because you just never know what's going to happen. And if I was doing this with the mentality I had at 25, I honestly don't know what I would have done. Chapter whatever, I've lost count, but this is the last chapter. And I've already touched on this slightly, but owning a home is just the beginning. And one of the things you want to think about 
is your mortgage renewal. Now, I have a little story time here and I've actually been dying to do this episode so that I can tell this story because this is one of the moments in owning a home that made me, like I genuinely remember when part of this messed up, I put in my family group chat on WhatsApp, I was just like, I don't, I'm selling my house. I don't want to own a home anymore. I'm done. And my mum called me and I was just crying because it was, I think it was the hardest point of being a homeowner and it was so unexpected. So my mortgage renewal came around and I was very proactive with it. I was prepared. I'd prepared all of my like, you know, bank statements, anything that was needed. I knew the time was coming and maybe in hindsight, I should have started this process I don't know, four months earlier than I really needed to, but I thought I'd left myself enough time. And my mortgage advisor and my accountant, they didn't seem to be worried either. So, you know, we start the mortgage renewal process. And as always, I'm only given two options because I'm a single person owning a home. It's all a bit of a joke, but my two options come through. I'm not really surprised by that as usual. And by the way, before I get further into this, like I have to do this mortgage renewal. I cannot be on the like variable rate because it's like £600 more than my current mortgage payments, which is a lot of money. So I've obviously messaged my mortgage advisor and I'm like, would love to not be paying this. So can I see my options, please? He sends through my two options because I only really ever have two lenders that will lend to me. It's always the same too. It's very sad, but that's what happens, I think, when you buy a house as a single person. So it's a joke, but I wasn't really expecting anything else. And they come through. My current lender is, you know, it's an okay amount, but it's a little bit more than this second lender, which I would have to switch lenders to go with, which isn't really the biggest deal in the world, but it takes a little bit of paperwork. And we'll talk about this in the next episode in terms of my money mindset. But I normally will pick the less time consuming, more, um, what's the word, stress free option. That's just my way of doing things. So normally I would stay with the current lender, but I was really, I'd learned a lot about finances and I was really trying to be just a little bit more financially conscious, really. So I said, okay, we'll switch. And the process is kind of being dragged out a bit and it's all a bit confusing and I think it might have been down to maybe the advisor that I was using, but I'm not really sure. But anyway, it's all a bit of a shit show, if I'm honest. Like I could get into it, but honestly, we'll be here all day. Me just telling you these tiny, intricate little details, which are actually very boring. But the main crux of it happens when it turns out that my mortgage advisor had actually submitted incorrect figures to this new lender. And then they were at one point asking me to pay like a £16,000 shortfall up front. Like I actually thought I was being scammed for a hot second because I was like, what on earth is happening? And when we got to the bottom of it, there'd been a little bit of a typo in the application process. So this lender then didn't actually want to lend to me and I then had to go back to my previous lender. But by this point, the interest rates had gone up. So do you remember when I said I didn't know what interest rates were? I was learning because this was a point where the interest rates were just jumping all around. And honestly, it was so stressful because we just didn't know if they'd jump up again. So we were trying to get this done at the speed of light, but all of this was going wrong. But the lender was asking me, this other lender was asking me for £16,000 and I just lost it because I didn't feel like I was being well supported 
buy my mortgage advisor and this is why you have to make sure you get a real one you get a good one like they need to know what they're doing and it was all just a bit of a joke and an example of why you need good advisors and you need to understand interest rates because I really learned firsthand then what an interest rate jump actually does to your mortgage payments. So in the end, not only did I not end up saving myself a little bit of money by switching lenders, uh, it actually dragged on for two months longer than it should have, uh, which meant an extra additional payment on top of like my normal mortgage cost. It was costing me £600 more. So I ended up paying that twice and it was eating into my savings, which when you're about to embark on a big garage conversion, really, really not ideal. So yeah, that was the point where in addition to just trying to do my job and show up online every day and pretend to be happy, I was losing it. I was fully losing it. And yes, it might sound like I was just being really overdramatic, but that's the whole point. That is my brand, you guys. That is this podcast. That's what I do here. But that was the moment where I was like, buying a house really isn't all it's cracked up to be. Like, I've had some moments, but this one, it takes the biscuit. But despite this, owning a home is still probably one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. It's taught me so much about finances. And while some days I feel like my brain may actually melt, like there might just be like liquid coming out of my ears and forming a puddle on the floor and people will be like, hey, Suze, what's that? And I'll be like, oh, don't worry, that's just my brain. It's just melting. That was weird. Anyway, sometimes I feel like my brain might melt is what I'm trying to say. Despite that, I love learning new things and I feel so much more confident just in myself and in life because I really know what I am doing and talking about when it comes to like my home and my finances now. And I think that's really helped my self-esteem. For me, I think knowledge and life experience really helps my self-esteem. It's something that I really noticed after leaving school when I got practical hands-on experience in life. So understanding like homeowning and finances, it's definitely made me feel more confident. And I'm definitely going to talk more about money and my mindset around owning a home and the finances that come with it a little more in the next episode. But yeah, getting to grips with it all has done wonders for me. And it's shown me that knowledge really is power. Um, and, you know, most importantly, Nala finally has the backyard she deserves. And I love that for her. Not sure the resident squirrels feel the same though, but they're not paying rent. I mean, neither does Nala, but anyway, this is a weird ending. Um, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me a little rating or whatever it is, because I think that really helps. Tag me on Instagram at TSDQ Podcast if you share it. And you can also follow at TSDQ Podcast on Pinterest, Twitter, or wherever you like to consume your updates. And that is it from me. I will speak to you guys again next week. Love you. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.